Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome all. Wish you could be here to enjoy some of the birthday cake. Today's show, we're dedicating to Lori Brooks, our news director, who celebrates her 29th birthday today. Happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. She has all our animals around her. Of course, we normally have all our animals around us. We're allowed to bring them to work. And I don't know if where you work, they allow you to bring animals, but I'm thinking if they don't find a new job, because it... We feel so much more relaxed here. We have so much more fun doing our jobs because, you know, there's a cat on my lap right now and there's a dog over there next to Judy and, and Lori's dogs are over there. And there's even a bird sitting on Joey's shoulder, Gurney the bird. Who He's is, being quiet. He is being very quiet. What is with that? Um, she's just used to this content saying, you know, and I'm just, this, I'm, I'm over this already type of thing, you know? So, uh, we're going to go to the phones in just a couple of minutes for your calls today. We're going to talk to the trap King, the trap King, trap King. the trap oh, King, I like that. a lot of different, What's he trapping? he's yeah. trapping cats. He's trapping uh, cats that uh, haven't been uh, neutered. So it's a good thing. It is a good thing. There are not a lot of guys doing this kind of work. They're mostly women that are doing the trap, neuter, and returns. So we're going to find out what his deal is. He's making a, a name for himself, and apparently he was a rap singer. He, he gave up <laughs> wow. rap singing to trap cats. Wow. Yeah. So we've got to find out what that's about. Also on the show today, we're going to talk to a guy who's uh, he's a musician, another musician, who's made a CD called Canine Lullabies. And these lullabies have a heartbeat in the background. Here, can, do we have, let me, I think we have uh, one queued up over here. Listen to this for a second. This is one of his songs. And you hear how it starts with the heartbeat in the background? And the heartbeat is supposed to calm your animals. Is it calming you? It's actually calming me right now. And so he's going to be on the show in just a few minutes to, uh, ah. Wow. Where am I? Yeah. What, 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 what were we talking about, Hal? See, maybe the Trap King could use the beat from the lullaby guy, and he can, you know, they can co-write co a song together. I'm thinking we need to get you know, them together. A trap rap. <laughs> That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Lori, you'll have news for us. What are you working on for this hour? Going to tell you about how those GPS tracking collars that so many pets wear these days, how they can be invasive of your privacy if they're kind of hackable. In other words, hackable, trackable collars. Okay. Yes. That's on the way in just a few minutes. Joey, who looks very spiffy today, you're off to uh, the Dog Expo. Is that correct? I'm catching a plane. I'm going to New Jersey. World Dog Expo is, is going on. Um, Doc Diving, Shorty Rossi, Sarah Carson, Joey Villani. You know. Who's Sarah Carson? better than that. Who's that? Sarah Carson's the one. Um, she was the finalist on America's Got Talent um, oh. with, her, um, with her trained dog. So she's she's the headliner actually at the event. That show's wow. still on the air, huh? <laughs> that show's still on the air, yes. Uh, anyway, so there you go. That's on the way. First year calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I'm uh, calling from, well, I live in uh, southeast Michigan. I'm in Ohio right now, but... Uh, um, purpose of my call is um, I have a little uh, rat terrier. I, I call her a Jack Russell, but I guess that's a rat terrier. And uh, she will not stop licking her paws. And uh, okay. the dog, she's about six years old, and uh, it's a rescue dog from the Katrina catastrophe. We adopted her. Oh, good for you. And and uh, she's been a, you know, a good dog otherwise. Uh, uh, but our previous dog, 
uh, who is uh, exceptionally intelligent, a uh, Sheltie Shepherd mix, uh, also severely licked her paws. And I'm starting to wonder if it's something with our house or our mm-hmm. carpeting or something. It's old carpeting, but uh, uh, we've taken her to the bulldogs, to the vets, and uh, uh, they've given her the medication, and she's calmed down, you know, with the licking and so forth, and, and calmed down in general. But after the medication wore off, she started licking again. They didn't want to continue the medication for health reasons, I guess, uh, physiological okay. reasons. Uh, we've given her Benadryl, soaked it in uh, her feet in uh, Epsom salts because they're just, you know, almost getting raw. Uh, uh, we sprayed them with the uh, uh, bitter apple, and she seems to like the bitter apple. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yo, bitter apple tastes horrible. I can tell you, I've had it in my mouth. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask how that happened. <laughs> she seems to just uh, uh, tolerate it. Uh, her, it's more important for her to lick her paws, I guess, than to uh, be bothered with the uh, bitterness. But uh, I guess we don't have uh, the, the uh, means to have a lot of allergy tests done. And I'm wondering what can we do to... <sighs> get her to stop or slow down. We, we put mm-hmm. the lampshade on her head now, and, and we kind of feel sorry for her, you know, having a, and then Jerry, she actually, her paw starts shaking. I guess it's either irritated or it's itching so bad that, you know, she just, uh, it just shakes, she just shakes her paw. Oh, to lick baby. It. Okay, yeah. so now medication-wise, you, you said Benadryl. Has there been anything else beyond the Benadryl that they've prescribed? No, the vet has actually given her uh, uh, some and I don't know what they were. My wife does, but uh, okay. <laughs> uh, it really calmed her down to the point where she was just laying around all the time, and uh, that stopped the, the polygon, but uh, the vet did not want to keep her on a steady diet of that because it would affect her liver or something like that. Uh, okay. All right. So it's probably a steroid of some form if they were worried about long-term use, some liver concerns. Yeah. So, okay, I guess the basic, basic thing when we're talking about licking, chewing to this degree um, that we want to make sure everyone understands is that it, she can't help it. This is just, this is a physical reaction. And I'm assuming that this is, you know, maybe an allergy situation. Um, that's something that we can't expect dogs to stop behaviorally. Just like anyone who's ever had, you know, a uh, chicken pox. It's a battle to not scratch yourself. And you really have to have compelling will to stop that. Um, dogs don't have that. Um, the itch field makes them feel a little bit better temporarily. And um, then that cycle just keeps on going. So um, I would definitely say, you know, things like bitter apple. For me, in when we are suspicious of itching and we have medical issues going on, it really has no place for me um, because, one, it can very much burn uh, a braided skin or irritated skin, and um, it, it really doesn't help the problem underlying. So for, for your situation, you, you did ask, you know, whether or not this is something, you know, in the house. Uh, possibly, but I'll tell you, right now, anyone who's experiencing spring weather is probably dealing with allergies in their environment. And I can tell you at my office here, probably 50% of the dogs that are coming in for sick visits and cats are actually coming in with itching, scratching, and in many cases, allergy signs. So this is a really big topic this time of year. So we want to kind of get ahead of it and realize, okay, some dogs are going to have seasonal problems and some are going to have year-round things. For those pets that have seasonal problems, then we can up our strategies and what we're doing. Um, If we've got redness, we've got sores, we've got irritation, 
meditation, for me, I like to at least consider the possibility there could be other things going on. Sometimes we get infections with yeast and bacteria on top of um, abraded skin, and that can make things worse. And for those problems, we would want to use medicated shampoos, different types of oral medicines that um, treat those conditions. So sometimes getting a sample from the skin is very helpful, gives the vet direction, and, uh, you know, if you can't do a lot of tests, you know, share that information with them, but let them know you want to try other things. What other suspicion does your vet have? What other things can we try? And that might be going on at this time to, to get a better handle on everything as a whole with that skin. So the yeah. e-collar is great to prevent, you know, destruction and irritation at the area. Um, but, you know, we might be looking at more of like a medicated shampoo or maybe a topical ointment. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the antihistamines, you know, they're low side effects. You got to use them regularly. You got to use them at least two times a day, sometimes three times a day. But that might have, you know, lesser side effects. If Benadryl didn't work for you, there's oodles of other ones out there that we might want to pick out of the uh, prescription bag and see if it works better for your baby. Um, and, you know, definitely I look into that um, possibility of using fatty acids as well because that can be helpful as a mild anti-inflammatory and just kind of helps with a lot of the skin conditions. Um, but I'd say, you know, finances all aside, there's still a lot you can do as far as with some of the other products, um, you know, beyond Epsom salts. So um, colloidal oatmeal is very soothing to abraded, irritated skin, especially allergic skin. So that's kind of a, uh, a nice type of uh, shampoo spray products that you can use um, for, particularly for those feet, but kind of all over the body. And, uh, you know, really maybe take this to a little bit more um, kind of comprehensive treatment. I think we can do a lot more for your baby there. Good. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks for your call, Ed. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You could learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Still to come. We're going to be talking to a musician who's made some lullabies for your pets. Yeah, you heard me right. If your pet suffers from separation anxiety or is just nervous like I am all the time, then you'll want to hear about canine lullabies coming up right here on Animal Radio. I actually use the canine lullabies in my office. You do? You've heard of them before? Yeah, I have the I have the CD in my office, and we actually use it to help um, kind of keep calm uh, in the kennel area. So when dogs are boarding and animals are being walked, there's a lot of things going on. So it helps to kind of keep a, a quiet calm going uh, through the office, especially during a busy holiday um, boarding weekend. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to, to help um, our patients feel more relaxed in the vet office is what I'm all about. I checked out a video on his website that had him playing the canine lullabies in a noisy shelter in Colorado, I believe. And within a couple of minutes, the whole shelter became quiet. All the dogs were just listening and relaxed. And it, mm-hmm. it's transformative. So yeah, no, I, I believe in it. And I think it's it's such a simple thing that you can do. So whether you're a pet facility or a pet owner, you know, this is a great tool that you can use just to kind of help your pet through an anxious time. I do it for uh, my dogs, you know, getting used to fireworks and thunder showers and the noises associated with that. Um, you know, I'll play little um, lullabies um, and uh, these kind of musics just to kind of help them through that. And hopefully they focus on that calming noise rather than what they're hearing outside. I wonder if it'll work on me. Because I could use that. I think it will. Now. I think it does. Yeah. Doesn't it make you feel calmer? It does. And the heartbeat thing is a little weird to me, but it, it seems to work. And we'll find out all about it just around the corner. 
This is Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. If you listen regularly, you know that we give you tips for creating a better lifestyle for your pet. So they're happier pets and they live longer lives. And if they suffer from separation anxiety, as so many dogs do, cats do, we give you tips like the Thunder Shirt. That's one way to, to help with separation anxiety. In just a few minutes, we have another tip for you. Lullabies. You remember when you were a kid Ooh. and your mom would sing lullabies or she'd put on a, a vinyl album when I was a kid, which included all kinds of lullabies, which would relax you. We're going to be talking to musician Terry Woodward this hour. I'm sorry, Woodford. And he has created a CD of canine lullabies. And each one of his lullabies has a heartbeat in the background because he believes a heartbeat can help calm your animal. So if you have a dog that suffers from separation anxiety or is just anxious or just nervous. Or a new puppy. Or a new puppy. You'll want to be listening about canine lullabies coming up. That's just around the corner. And we're about 10 minutes away from a check of our news with Miss Lori Brooks, the birthday girl. What do you have mm-hmm. happening today? She's actually wearing a, a little birthday <laughs> crown today. Cone. Cone. You weren't supposed to tell everybody well, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. You also weren't supposed to mention the champagne on my desk or that big old cake in the corner, but thanks, you guys. <laughs> um, coming up, we're, we're going to talk about rescuing animals from the, and I mean all kinds of animals, from the volcano zone. And the not-so-well-known or downside dangers of GPS pet trackers. Really? GPS pet trackers? The next danger, huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. Jeez. What's next? Uh, What's next? This call right here. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Great. How about yourself? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Camarillo, California. Oh, lovely Camarillo. We love... Used to be in my home. Used to... I love that place. It's like far enough out of the city. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. Nice and comfortable today. I bet it is. I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on with your dog, cat, iguana, parrot, flamingo? I don't have an iguana yet. It's a dog. It's a lopsilopsil. And it's, uh, I spoke with you guys a while ago about uh, fleas, and I got rid of the fleas, but the fella's still itching, and I think it might be from the food, and I didn't know what kind of good food to give him that would get rid of the allergies or what have you for him. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the, the trick to this when we're talking about food allergies is it's it's not as simple as just going to the grocery store and picking a different food off the shelf when it comes to food allergies. Um, there's, there's different ways that we can approach food allergies. The two big ways is we pick a diet, either picked um, one that would be in what we call the hydrolyzed diet family. Um, the other is what we call the novel protein diet family. Um, so there's different ways. Now I'll kind of briefly go over those. The hydrolyzed um, protein diet is similar to children that just can't take milk formula. So there's they basically take the milk proteins and they break them up into smaller pieces so that they can still take the milk and have formula, but their immune system doesn't react to it. So this is what they do with this type of dog food as well. So um, it's a way of kind of tricking their immune system. So say a dog is allergic to chicken, they can still eat 
a chicken-based protein is if it's hydrolyzed. So it's kind of a sneaky way. Um, but that's something you would have to see your veterinarian for. There are a couple um, hydrolyzed diets out on the market um, by different manufacturers. And those are by far one of the more direct ways to figure out and to capture those dogs that are uh, potentially food allergic. Now, the other way that I mentioned is called novel protein diets. And that used to be the good old lamb and rice we used to think, you know, decades ago was a great novel protein that dogs just hadn't seen it. But we know that isn't necessarily the case now, and it's actually everywhere. So novel protein diets can work, and after a couple of years, a dog can actually get sensitive to that protein. It's no longer new. They're used to it. So then we may have to switch to something different. And these diets are, and again, they're more than just going to the food um, at the grocery store and saying, oh, I'm going to pick a uh, venison-based diet now because there's still different ingredients within those diets. So this, too, you would want to work with your veterinarian to help pick a food. Um, some, you know, different manufacturers, uh, Purina, Royal Canin, Hills, Iams, a lot of these companies, they have diets that may be based in newer proteins, things like venison, uh, kangaroo, duck, a rabbit. Um, so that might be the protein source that we're looking at. Um, whichever way we go, we need to make a commitment for a couple months with a diet and staying faithful to it, not giving treats, not giving human foods or other types of snacks um, around um, at that time. But that after about eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks, um, if we see an overall improvement in the itching and the skin skin symptoms, then we know we're heading the right way and we found a, a dog that has um, food allergy. So, and it is very common. So, you, you know, Lassa Opta, I would say, yeah, definitely. We see a lot of these guys that can have that. It, they may still also have other types of allergies, inhaling allergies as well. Um, but if you can help uh, control this one thing, um, you may go a long way to help your pet, you know, prevent their itching problems down the road. Can I ask you one more question? Uh-huh, I, got, sure. I got cats, right? You said inhalant allergies. Would the cat litter make him itch? You know, could he be allergic to cats? He could be allergic to the cat litter. He could be allergic. Dogs can be allergic to just about anything we can. And I've actually had dogs that we've done allergy testing on, and they test that they respond and they're allergic to cats, but they're also allergic to human dander. So what are you going to do? Holy cow. You, you might say, uh, you know, don't have a cat if your dog is allergic, but they could be allergic to you. So what are you going to do then? Exactly. Thank you. All right, okay. cool. What did you call that hydro what thing, that food? Hydrolyzed. H Y D R O lyzed. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll check with uh, my vet and deal with that then. Okay. Well, good luck with that and, and let us know how things turn out. Uh, we love to hear those follow up calls. This is Dr. Will. Debbie. Thank you so much for calling, Jim. We appreciate it. And give that baby a pat on the head. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books, inspired by true stories of klepto kitties caught stealing from humans. Mac, the mischievous tabby, is back in Mac on a hot tin roof. But this time, there's little time for his usual shenanigans when Mac becomes the foster parent to an orphaned litter of adorable kittens. Filled with lots of catitude and love, Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere. Books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. And thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store.
Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Smart collars and other kind of devices for animals that track their locations are really super popular right now. But there is a problem, according to researchers who've investigated this. And the problem is, is that these tracking devices can leak sensitive information, like your phone number and your pet's location. Now, after examining several well-reviewed models that are pretty popular, including Kippy Vita, the Nuzzle, and the Whistle 3, testers at Kaspersky Lab found several issues that should be of concern if your pet is wearing one of these GPS tracking collars. Now, one common problem found is that some of the trackers in the use of Bluetooth Low Energy, or BLE, and that's what connects the pet tracker to your smartphone, is that BLE does not require authentication in order for you to pair devices. And that means any smartphone really can connect to the tracker to control it and then access your pet's location. Another area of concern is that some of the trackers have shared flaws stemming from certificate handling and data transfer mechanisms. Maybe the scariest of all is that two of the trackers can be disabled or even hidden from the owners. So let me give you an example on that. It's possible to install modified software on the nuzzle tracker by simply making a change to the DAT or DAT file, which can cause the device to stop working. That's pretty frightening, but maybe even worse, an attacker can conceal the location of your pet simply by connecting to the tracker using a smartphone. So connected things are, you know, everywhere these days in our lives with everything from, oh, let's see, thermostats to Amazon Echo, washer and dryers and beyond. And they do offer convenience. And for consumers, it makes our lives easier, but also much more hackable at the same time, right? But I got to tell you, the experts say that with these reviews calling for attention to these flaws in GPS pet trackers that Hopefully, that will be a wake-up call to the manufacturers. Now, when hundreds of residents of Hawaii's Big Island fled their homes after the Kilauea volcano erupted recently, some had to leave behind everything, and that includes their pets. In the three weeks, though, since the volcano returned to its larger-than-life status, volunteers have made really some very heroic efforts to retrieve dogs and cats, geese, ducks, cows, goats, horses, cattle, exotic birds, you name it. The animal-friendly Red Cross Shelter in Pahoa, a town which is about 25 miles from where the volcano is, is full to the brim today with about 100 dogs and 30 cats. They've also got rabbits and birds and pigs. But some of the larger livestock are being housed nearby at a local zoo, which has taken in more than 30 cows and horses. Elsewhere, there are rescue groups that have moved more than 1,300 head of cattle and three dozen horses, some of which have been herded to a ranch just north of the volcano, and they say that will keep them out of danger. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Could you dim the lights a little bit? Thank you. Just trying to relax here. This is, uh, I don't know if I can do a show with this in the background. It's 
too relaxing. It's very relaxing. But it's it's made for your dog. The dogs are all asleep in the studio now. Yeah, but it's... And I have no problem being like a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is uh, music from Terry Woodford. Terry is a is an amazing musician who has eight gold and three multi-platinum records. He's worked with Motown. And this is one of his latest projects, and he's joining us now. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. I'm so relaxed. Well, that's good. I'll tell you what. Excuse the pun, but it is raining cats and dogs here from Alberta's. So here in Alabama, we're really catching it. I, I understand there's a oh, little bit of weather going on there. I know of a great CD that would calm you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing there's not any thunder or lightning. I'd have to turn it on for sure. Which uh, which we'll talk about in just a couple of seconds. As I mentioned, you're a big-time musician, and you have created this Canine Lullabies with heartbeats in the background. Explain the heartbeats, if you will. Well, to tell you the truth, it wasn't created or designed for dogs. It was designed to calm babies and children. And for 15 years, I kept getting calls and emails from people saying that the same music calmed their dog, and I just I didn't do it to them, but I kind of laughed it off. I said, oh, come on, you know. <laughs> and then I saw it calm 50 dogs in less than two minutes in the Colorado Humane Society. And yeah, tell really... us about that. So it's this is a humane society where a lot of animals are looking for homes, and it's noisy. There's all kinds of barking, and then you just put on the CD? Well, when I went there, it was my first time in a humane society, and they put it on, and in 15 seconds, all the dogs laid down in their cages, and uh, I, I just was amazed. And I told them, I said, well, let me walk back down the aisle, because I figured they'd all jump up and start barking again. And not one dog paid attention to me. So then I realized, you know, that me laughing it off to all those people that told me about it, I was wrong. So I didn't know how important it was at that time. But, of course, I found out since then, particularly for the kennels, you know, it helps make these dogs more adoptable, and, you know, they're suffering from separation anxiety and in a chaotic environment so uh and it also helped the the people that are working with the dogs you know it's really stressful for them sometimes when all the dogs are barking and upset so it was a surprise to me but you know an exciting thing at the same time oh absolutely and is there any science behind the heartbeat that's behind all of this music no, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really a scientific thing. And the truth is, when I first developed these, the, the real reason I put the heartbeat in there, I recorded it from the chest, and I thought, well, that's where you lay a baby lays its head and can feel that heartbeat. And the other reason I did it, I knew if my peers thought I was in the studio recording lullabies, I'd be on my way out. So <laughs> I had to do something kind of cool. You know, I had no idea what it, what would end up being, you know, changing my whole life, really. But... Isn't it? I think babies and animals, they can, in the womb, they can feel and hear their mother's heartbeat from the very beginning of life. Yeah, and hearing is the first thing they, they, you know, have is to be able to hear, you know. And, of course, a a search dog can hear a human heartbeat from 75 feet away. So uh, they're certainly familiar with the human heartbeat. What are some applications that we would use this? Obviously, thunderstorms. You were just talking about how uh, you're, there's a lot of storming going on right now where you live. And uh, storming, I think I just made that word, word up. <laughs> and <laughs> there's thunder. And thunder, of course, uh, can really freak an animal. It freaks our cats out. Hey, it freaks me out sometimes. You know, some of those big loud thunderclaps, you kind of wonder, you know. So I, I think it's difficult for, for us and dogs to... Uh, 
not being frightened by that. But I, I think one of the, and of course in this case, you play it before the thunderstorm so they can focus on that and habituate or block out the rest. But I think one of the biggest things for people at home is separation anxiety when they have to leave their dog at home. And you can let it play all day long and they'll tune it in or tune it out and it'll keep them calm. Will this music work for cats, or do they need different sounds? No, it's, it works for cats, but cats are, well, first of all, they're not barking, so they're not annoying their owners as much. But a lot of times I notice when they get real frightened, they'll go hide someplace and, and mm-hmm. shake all over and, and get diary and so forth. But what it does, it calms them, and they'll actually come out to the music uh-huh. uh, and, and not be so upset and excited. So uh, I... I still called it canine lullabies when it was first tested i just took the cd that i'd done for babies and put a paper label on it and i called it canine lullabies and i said research done on human babies first you know i was still at that time i wasn't taking it real <laughs> and then when they came back and said it reduced diarrhea and kept the dogs from barking and all that the truth is until i saw it for myself it was just hard to believe in my hot little hands, I have two different CDs. I'm not sure what the difference is. One's pink, one's blue. And one's twice as long as the other. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought pink and blue. One was for girl dogs and one was for guy dogs. Well, actually, it, it only takes one song, but it's usually the owners that want to hear more songs. You know, they don't want to hear one song over and over and over and over again. So that's why there's nine songs on one volume and then there's 18 on the other. Where can we get this? Uh, you can get it at caninelullabies.com, and if you're a shelter or an animal clinic, you can get them free. Just request it. We'll send it to you free. It's a good way for us to, you know, to help thousands of dogs and cats with very little cost to me at all. So, uh, and then I can cry at your kindness. Out. When people see it work in the kennels, they, they want one to take home with them or with their new dog mm-hmm. or cat. And it has a satisfaction guarantee. If for any reason your dog is not completely satisfied with canine lullabies, you can return the CD. That's true. We get maybe one out of 2,000 back. I bet. And those are dogs that just like rock and roll. Just, well, know. I'll tell you what's funny. When it was first tested by the American Board of Kennels Association, there was a kennel up in the Northeast, and they sent me an email and said... We think your music is very interested, but we have more cultured dogs here, and they prefer smooth jazz. <laughs> we have 10 copies to give away right now at one 405 8405 If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to the website, caninelullabies.com. And, of course, we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. This is Animal Radio. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. This scrumptious serving of Animal Radio is underwritten by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's RedBarnInc.com, and thanks Red Barn for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Margie. Welcome to the show. Hello. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from the Pittsburgh area. 
Beautiful. And uh, what's going on with your animal life? Dr. Debbie right here. Hi there. We, were, we, went up, we have a camp about two hours north of Pittsburgh. It's actually on the Allegheny River. It's on the dirt road and such. And we go up there about every other week or in the summertime once a week, you know, through the weekend. Anyway, Sounds our dog nice. <laughs> went after a porcupine last night and was mm. fit with his quill. Okay. And this is not the first time it happened, but... I'm wondering if there's an easier way to take the quills out, and do they expand once they go in? We we were able to hold. It's a big Doberman pincher. We were able to hold him down, her down rather, for <clears throat> probably an hour and a half. My husband and I worked on her trying to get the quills off, but there's still some back in her mouth. And uh, mm-hmm. is it true if you break off the end of the quill, uh, they're easier to pull out? And um, you know, just if there's any way that we can. Uh, control these porcupines in, in our neighborhood. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. Well, you definitely can't control Mother Nature there. That's going to be the hard right. thing. So the trick is going to be to, to, to work on your dog and how we react to that. Now, the first thing I'm going to say you asked about is that uh, there's kind of an old wives' tale out there that if you break the quills, that they're easier to pull out. And, and we really don't okay. want to do that. That's the, the general rules with uh, porcupine quills, we don't twist them, we don't bend them, we don't want to break them in any way. Um, okay. And that is uh, the truth. The the quills have a slight barbing to them, and they can expand once moisture gets in there. They definitely can have that ability to get bigger and kind of lodge in there. Porcupine quills have some immense ability to migrate in some very dangerous areas in the body. So for any pet's safety and their well-being, I have to recommend that you see a veterinarian for the quill removal. Um, okay. It, it seems like it's easy to remove them, but just in the process of removing them, they can actually, it can make the nearby ones migrate uh, deeper into the skin. And even in a veterinarian's hands, we can remove sometimes thousands from a dog, and it can take hours um, to do that. So the safest way that I can recommend is under general anesthesia, where we remove those quills, and if they start to have an appearance that they're migrating under the skin, we can do an incision, get that little sucker out of there. Um, but it, it is a pretty huge endeavor to get those out um yeah just like one I said, or two we're, that's we're actually on our way to the veterinarian right now but uh you know we were able to get i i feel like 95 percent of them off but they're back in the roof of her mouth and um, oh yeah she's not even letting us go near her mouth today it happened like yeah. 10 30 last night so yeah, absolutely. And and these, you know, the, the big danger is that in removing these, we can actually drive these and some other ones into the body further. And there are dogs that have had these quills even days, weeks, months later migrate into very serious parts of the body, like to the chest. And it can cause pyothorax, basically a horrible infection in the chest. They can go to the joints, and dogs actually can present for a lameness months later, and a porcupine quill can actually migrate to those areas. So um, so I'm glad that you are seeing the veterinarian, because that is going to be yes. really important to do that kind of evaluation. I imagine um, they'll put her on pro- probably an antibiotic also. Yeah, in many cases. If we're worried that there's some under the skin, um, then that is a typical therapy. And then pain medication, anti-inflammatories for a couple of days because, you know, right. this is an ouchy thing. Right. The good thing is once we get those quills out, um, you know, we're pretty happy that they're feeling more comfortable. And uh, I like to warn people that, you know, even if we spend two hours taking quills out, under anesthesia, it is still possible that some of these suckers can get past our ability to see them and to notice them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are really just that uh, Is sneaky. there anything I should look for in the next few weeks that if they miss some quills, I, I might be looking for like an infection or some kind of swelling or something like that? 
Absolutely. Anything as far as surface swelling or redness that you notice, but mm-hmm. even it goes into further things. So anything out of the ordinary. Um, I've had dogs with actually vomit up quills. So if it migrates in the body or in the mouth into mm-hmm. unusual areas, we'd watch for problems breathing, any digestive disturbances, anything that doesn't seem right um, is really suspect for a pet that gets into porcupines. Uh, the long-term strategy, um, probably the, the, the best way that I could um, direct you is we need to do some aversion training with porcupines. And it's similar to, uh, we were talking the other week about rattlesnake aversion training. Very important hazard for other dogs in different uh, climates. But porcupines, we can do the same type of thing. Now, you can't control the wild critters, but in many cases, you might want to check with uh, folks that do dog training in your area or even those that do hunt dog training um, because they often have to deal with this on a regular basis of dogs we use for hunting to leave the porcupines and those kind of critters alone. So basically we use, um, usually it's using collar training, the remote collars that have a yeah. shock that gives the aversion right. and then we need to have but a porcupine Julie, that we work with. She actually had a shock collar on her last night when this happened and uh, she wasn't going off the deck and she was. we were there for two hours around the fireplace and you know, I guess she heard it, and she wasn't 15 feet off the deck when, when I knew something happened. Uh, so yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm wondering, will this teach her a lesson? Will she know next time this porcupine may come out that she may back off it now? You know, she might, but a lot of times it's a repetition thing. And that's why when we get into the aversion training, you really need to have the porcupine in controlled environments and then to to go through the repetition of, you know, just walking near the porcupine where they can pick up the scent or the sight of it. And then they get the negative uh, reinforcement for that so that she can get it in her head. I just don't want to get near these things, the very sight or smell of them. Um, So that really would be. Do you know any of the laws about trying to remove a porcupine or kill it? Or are you, because like I said, this is right behind her camp. They've, he's been there for a couple of years, and uh, we've had this experience before with other dogs. So I'm just... Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you that you're going to waste your efforts if you're trying to get rid of the porcupines in the area, because, you know, wildlife, they have definitely different um, abilities to have different areas where they live, and you're not going to be able to seek them out and really, you know, move them or uh, get them out of the area. So I wouldn't even waste your efforts on that. that. Um, Really focus on your dog and how you can train um, your baby to to not go to those areas and and to not go after the porcupines um, because otherwise you'll drive yourself crazy. Everyone's favorite matchmaking klepto kitty MacGyver is back in Mac on a Hot Tin Roof. And this time he's thieving his way through the greatest adventure of all parenting. When Mac finds a litter of orphan kittens, the mischievous Tabby has no choice but to put his life of crime on pause because the tables have turned and now Mac is the one to have something stolen. His heart. Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold. For more info, visit kensingtonbooks.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, welcome. This hour, we're going to talk to Sterling Davis. He is the trap king, one of the few men in the country right now that is trapping cats that need to be spayed or neutered. And then he uh, gets them neutered, and then he releases them back. It's an interesting thing for for a guy to do because, frankly, there's just not a lot of guys doing this. No, there's not. 
We'll be talking to him this hour right here on Animal Radio, as well as you. We're going to talk to you and help you uh, figure out whatever questions you have about your cat, your dog, your flamingo, your tortoise, whatever animals you have. Dr. Debbie is well-versed as she's been dealing with us animals for 18 years. <laughs> At least. Uh, Lori, last hour you reported on uh, how these trackers, these GPS trackers can be hacked. Interesting news. Yeah. Now I'm thinking. Super easy, too. Well, it could be super easy. I'm kind of curious. I have a, a tracker, a GPS tracker on Ladybug, and now I'm wondering if I should take it off. I'm thinking about it. I've never lost her before, but I've never used the tracker before. That study is on uh, Kaspersky Lab, and so you, know you can what? check it out there. Kaspersky is one of the biggest security organizations mm-hmm. in the world. They've discovered major leaks, major problems. So when they say there's something wrong with one of your Internet right. of Things devices, you've got to listen up. Uh, if you missed that story last hour, the beautiful thing is you can head on over to animalradio.pet, get all the information. You can read it and hear it again. This hour, though, what do you have coming up? There is a business out there that is making a lot of people really angry because they rent dogs, so to speak, and then not appreciate, but depreciate them. And uh, it's got lawmakers up in arms as well, so we'll update you there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the, uh, the dogs, they depreciate almost to have value as soon as you get them out of the pet store. Yeah, as soon as they walk out the door. (laughs) It's disgusting, really. It is disgusting. And this is very, I make fun of it, but this is a very serious subject and you need to hear about it, especially if you think you might be really attracted to that cute little puppy in the window that costs $1,000. Listen up. Good point. That's on the way. I believe we have Dina on the phones. Hi, Dina. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Save us. Um, well, I have a, she's a little over five years old, is a Cavalier Poodle mix. About two years ago, she started chewing and licking her paws all night long. Um, she okay. also scratches wow. under her chin. Um, I've tried doing a topica. I've tried a different steroid. We've tried all kinds of things, and I don't know what to do. I can't keep her okay. on the steroids, although her itching will stop. It's not good for her. Um, and I wonder if there's anything, a homeopathic something, other than vinegar, that mm-hmm. might help. Someone said okay. do vinegar because it's a yeast uh, buildup on her feet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different, and many of the different skin products that your veterinarian might have have some component of vinegar. It's usually not something very, um, you know, purified. Uh, I shouldn't say we would not want to use pure vinegar on the feet. That would be a little too irritating. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious. So you've had your baby on atopica steroids, and what else did you say? Um, I can't remember the name of the steroid. So okay. I, that was it. Um. I try trimming, you know, I keep her hair, because she doesn't shed, I keep her her feet trimmed up pretty good between her toes. Mm -hmm. It's just she licks all night long. Neither one of us is getting sleep at this point. Oh, dear. That's horrible. And I keep trying everything, and I keep going to the vet and spending lots of money on a dermatologist, but it's not seeming to give her any relief. Okay. When I hear of, um, you know, licking and chewing the paws, of course, allergy alert button goes way up. So that's definitely one of the main focuses. But we also don't want to forget some of those um, ongoing problems that can accompany allergies. And in the feed area, we because it's kind of in between the webbing and there's that hair in there, we really have to be watchful for problems like yeast infections and bacterial infections in there. So that would be a big focus. And, and as much as you hate to spend more money at the vet, sometimes getting some samples from those areas and evaluating that and making sure we're treating that oh, road. I, I have. 
And she's gone through all the allergy tests and everything. She is apparently is allergic to dust mites and grass. Okay. And is she on allergy therapy right now? The injections? No, it didn't work. We it tried. Uh, we tried it for about mm. seven months. Okay. And it didn't really work. Yeah, and most dermatologists would tell you with allergy therapy, what we call immunotherapy, where you give the injections uh, to desensitize your pet, that really, we need to be prepared for the long haul. So even seven months of not seeing an, um, a change is a little bit premature in some books. Um, so most people, I try to have them prepared for at least a year of being faithful with that before we pull the plug and say this isn't helping at all. Now, granted, you still need to have other avenues to try along along the way. You can't wait it out. We have to deal with the problem at hand. But that just sometimes can be a little bit early before we give give it up and throw in the towel on that. Oh, okay. Um, so for me, for the long-term uh, solutions, when we have a pet that we've tried a lot of different allergy problems, uh, a lot of different approaches, I, I really, for me, I'm a firm believer in dealing with things like diet and going with a hypoallergenic diet. Mm-hmm. That is one of the number one strategies, especially if we don't see great improvement with steroids. Um, that is a number one thing, and it takes a lot of tough love. It takes training the people in the household that we cannot give little treats and biscuits and other foods. We have to stay very stringent with a food allergy trial. Yeah, so for yeah, me, that, that would be... Too. We've got her off all grains. We'd give her more proteins. I also give her like chicken breasts or if we're having a beef, I'll give her some beef or lamb or fish. Um, okay. That is not a hypoallergenic diet at all. So if we want to be serious about a food allergy diet, we really need to be very... There's two different approaches. One is we do a hydrolyzed protein diet or we do a limited ingredient diet. Those are the ways that we deal with food allergies. It's not just changing brands. It's not going to grain-free. Those are great ideas, but they really don't treat it 100%. So you got the right idea. I would just want to make sure that we're really getting the true idea. Now, if I have a pet on a food allergy diet, say it's a prescription food by company A, and we feed that, and I say, oh, you know, I'm eating a little pizza. I'm throwing my dog a crust of pizza. You've just ruined all that money you're spending on that special diet. Yeah. Because that effect really can take many weeks to get that little crust of of pizza crust out of her immune system, if you will. So you really have to be ready with a food allergy diet for eight weeks of being very strict, sticking to the food. And for me, I'm a big fan of the hydrolyzed diets, which kind of different brands are out there. Purina has one. uh, Science Diet has one. um, But those are sold through your veterinarian. So you, you really would want to talk to them about that. Um, there's other approaches with the limited ingredient diets. Those used to be things like uh, lamb and rice, which we did, uh, gosh, decades ago. It used to be a great uh, limited ingredient diet, but it's in a lot of foods, so pets have been exposed to it. And with this type of diet, we want to stick to maybe one protein source and one carbohydrate source. Um, so you don't really want to be adding things into those diets. It's okay. just really important to stick with that. Now, some other uh, things, long-term approaches that I'll look at will be uh, other causative factors with a pet that has allergies. Thyroid problems, not uncommon in some breeds of dog. And we can have a low thyroid that can make them have more difficulties with the skin problems and more uh, recurring problems. So if you haven't had your baby screened for a thyroid problem, that would be a wise choice as well. 
and then really as far as I, I guess I can't stress enough the you know the surface of the skin what's going on in there and what we can do whether it be a antifungal antibiotic a treat really what is on your pet's uh, skin surface and that might give us a little bit more relief and symptoms and also kind of get us uh, more comfortable and get you guys sleeping <laughs> and uh in regards to um, antihistamines, uh, there's a lot of different ones out there. Some will help the baby sleep better at night as well because they do have some sedative quality. Um, and if you've tried out most of the human ones, sometimes I'll even go to the human uh, varieties, uh, things like Zyrtec. But, uh, you know, again, always using that with your veterinarian's uh, recommendation and dose recommendations there. Okay. Well, that's great. A lot of information there, Dina. There is, and I've tried a couple of things. I just, I don't know if there's anything I could just put on her feet at night so she'll get some sleep. And as far as for, you know, anything that might help just topically, it really is going to depend a bit on what's going on on, on the skin surface. If you do have uh, inflammation, if there's redness, in many cases getting a, a topical spray that's uh, not oily, but more of a water or uh, alcohol base that has an anti-inflammatory like betamethasone in it, that would be a very good thing to kind of help take some of that itch down right before bedtime. That was betamethasone? Betamethasone, yeah. It's a type of steroid, it, and given topically, it can be um, very helpful, just kind of curbs that itch. Um, it's a temporary thing. So, okay. Uh, yeah, just something to kind of get her through and then um, try to change these diets a bit, and then I'll meet with the vet again. Okay, sounds great. Thank Good you so point. much for your call. Well, great, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Cujo was a frisky seven-year-old golden retriever when he snuck out of his owner's backyard. His trip to freedom took him on a journey that could be made into a movie. Cujo's now home with his owner, Noreen Bazuski in St. Louis, who calls his homecoming a miracle. Cujo somehow ended up 120 miles away in Colombia in the home of an elderly woman. When the woman went into a nursing home, Cujo was sent to the Humane Society. Dirk's Fund, a golden retriever rescue group, spotted Cujo, now named Willie, and arranged to have him brought back to St. Louis. They had his matted coat shaved and had his infected ears treated and some cysts removed. Noreen's brother-in-law just happened to go to the Dirk's Fund website to look for a dog to adopt and saw Cujo, with his heart-shaped white mark and white feet. And an even stranger fact is this brother-in-law and wife were the original breeders of Cujo. Cujo had never been forgotten by his original family. Kayla, who was only four when he left, continued to hang his stocking up every Christmas, saying she could feel in her heart that he wasn't gone. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. 
It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Hey everybody, this is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Miller Band. Just want to tell everybody out there on Animal Radio, thanks for loving your pets. This is Animal Radio, baby. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And in just a few minutes, I'm so excited about this, we are going to talk to the Trap King, Sterling Davis. And I'm proud to have him on the show because there are not a lot of guys <laughs> that are in the, uh, especially the, the feline rescue business. No, there aren't. He's not ashamed of it. What he does is he goes out and he traps cats that uh, haven't been neutered. This is all humane, by the way. Puts them in a, in a humane trap. Gets them neutered, and then once they're neutered, re-releases them so that there won't be, you know, more kittens from the, the litter. And th- this only happens to the guy cats. You know, it's only neutering. They don't do the spaying. Of, oh, really? Yeah, they figure if they get the guys, why do why worry about the gals, right? Plus, it's easier and, I think, cheaper to take care of the guys than it is uh, the gals. Is that correct, Dr. Debbie? Well, I mean, it's easy to tell who's neutered and who's not by looking at a boy cat versus, you know, a neutered versus unneutered. But I would disagree. I think the females are, you know, they're the ones that are going in and having letters multiple times through the year. That's kind of like, you know, chasing down uh, half the population <laughs> and <Right>. saying, <laughs> you know, hey, just stay away from the girls, you know, and we'll be okay. Um, so so I, why is it that you hear about trap, neuter, and return, but you never hear about trap, spay, and return programs? Well, I think in that term, neuter is used as a generic term. Oh, so really? there's some people use the word neutering as a, just a generic term for spaying and neutering. So it doesn't um, always have to mean just the male kitties. Exactly. Most of these are done on the cheap. In fact, veterinarians, a lot of them volunteer their time for this kind of thing. So I would imagine that it's cheaper and easier to do a, a neuter than it is a spay? You know, yes, but I'd say in the shelter world, and I know some shelter veterinarians that would argue that they can get, you know, through a kitty spay in just no time at all. On average, how long does it take to spay a cat when you talk about they can you, do them quickly? Yeah, you know, I have some friends that can do it in under less than 10 minutes. Wow, um, wow. That, you know, and that's, you know, an abdominal incision, you know, and, and in some cases there's differences in doing ovariectomies uh, versus a full um, ovariohysterectomy. And that's where in the shelter, um, in many cases, they'll just take the ovaries and uh, they can be in and out in less than 10 minutes. So, yeah. How, how long does it take to do a neuter? Um, <laughs> less than 10 minutes. <laughs> So, yeah, a neuter, you know, in some hands, we could say maybe two minutes. <laughs> but, the, wow. you know, the thing is there's still anesthesia, monitoring, and recovery that has to be done. So it doesn't matter to me how fast the surgery is. That animal is still going under anesthesia. So it still requires monitoring. Um, and that's why, for me, you know, arguing about, you know, three minutes versus ten minutes is really a moot point because you still have an animal's life in your hands and you still have to take care of things in the proper way. So there's not like a stopwatch in the background and people cheering you on. See how fast you can do it. Now, I would be lying if I didn't say that people celebrate how speedy they can be about some of these things, but um, but certainly that's not the goal. You know, we we certainly want everyone to have a successful surgery and recovery and uh, on the mend. Well, we'll be talking to Sterling Davis, who does this. One of the few guys who does it in the uh, southeast part of our country, where it's very much a problem. 
And uh, I commend him and I salute him for all his work, hard work that he's done. And we'll find out exactly how he does it and how people react to him because he was a rap singer. This was his, <laughs> he, he was actually going on tour with a group called uh, Tech Nine, Tech Nine, big rap group. Uh, I don't know if they're big or not. I just put that in there uh, to embellish it because I do that sometimes. Uh, but Tech Nine. Going on tour with him, you'd think he makes a lot of money doing that. Yeah, but they have downtime, too. What are they going to do between touring? He's given that up. He's given the music. Well, I don't know if he's given the music mm-hmm. up totally, but he's given up the touring to trap, neuter, and release cats. And he's, Good uh, for him. Yeah, really. Us guys that like cats, you know, we get so little credit. <laughs> uh, about 10 minutes away from a news check with Lori Brooks, the birthday gal. What do you got going on today? Oh, thanks. Uh, you guys are talking about uh, maybe a little competition with cats there and who can neuter the fastest. I have a story for you that is the Super Bowl for sniffer dogs. Bigger, better competition, maybe. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. But I will in about 10 minutes. Alan Cable, hope you're doing well. And now for your listening pleasure, a baby and a husky imitating each other. You know, a big consideration for most folks when they go out to get a new dog are the kids. So I'm going to tell you which breeds experts say are the best with kids. And number five, the durable bulldog. He's got a sweet disposition and he tires out real easily. And number four, a breed that seems to be disappearing. You don't see very many anymore, maybe because they're so energetic and they need so much exercise. The Iris Setter, one of my personal favorites. These guys are fun-loving comedians. They're really sweet dogs. But again, they need tons of exercise. The top three coming up after the Husky and the Baby go out at imitation each other again. Reminds me of that movie Ted with Mark Wahlberg. At number three on the list of best dogs to get when you have kids, the Poodle. They're loyal, tolerant, and they shed very little. So they're a really good dog to get if your child might have allergies. Again, though, despite what Joey Villani says, research shows that dogs can be embarrassed. So please don't make your Poodle look like Lady Gaga. We're counting down the top breeds that are great with kids. At number two on the list, the Labrador Retriever. These dogs are loyal, protective, and they love to play. They also come in three colors, white, black and brown and the number one best dog to get if you have kids according to the experts the golden retriever golden retrievers are very loyal and patient dogs you know how little kids are and goldens will put up with a lot but it's still very important to remember no matter what kind of dog you have and no matter how sweet and loving he is never leave your dog alone with your child your dog might not mean to hurt your child but because he's so much bigger it could easily happen Thank you, baby and husky. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Cars.com has awarded the 2020 Hyundai Veloster N with the 2020's Most Fun to Drive Car of the Year award. Scott Margeson, Director of Product Planning at Hyundai Motors America, said Veloster N offers an exhilarating driving experience for drivers of all skills. We are elated to receive the award as it recognizes the vehicle's thrilling drivability and performance from the track to the winding canyon roads. To find your new Veloster, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. 
Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Buying a pet at a pet store can end up costing oh, as much as twice as much as what the price tag says if you are lured into signing a pet leasing contract. Yeah, you can lease cars, houses, furniture, property, and now you can also lease pets. In fact, I've got a story for you here of what happened to a woman in Brooklyn, New York, when she fell in love with a Frenchton puppy at a pet store but couldn't afford the $1,350 price tag. Uh, By the way, a Frenchton is a French bulldog and a Boston terrier cross. But this woman says a salesperson at that store talked her into a payment plan, leasing the dog. Then when she got home, she read the contract more closely. It turns out that little Jane, that puppy, really was not actually hers, and nor would the puppy be until after two years of monthly payments, totaling about $3,000, plus a balloon payment of 275 bucks, and then if she failed to pay, the lease company could repossess little Jane. Pet leasing has been drawing a lot of scrutiny from lawmakers, animal rights groups, and everywhere since last year. We also reported on that, highlighting a lot of the consumer complaints against one company in particular. That's because they're the biggest, Reno, Nevada-based WAGS Lending, which pioneered the practice of loans to lease pets. And already, uh, people have caught on. Nevada and California have outlawed pet leasing altogether, and New York lawmakers are proposing legislation prohibiting these lease pet contracts where dogs or cats are used as collateral. But uh, like consumer loans, pet leases are offered to people who want to buy a purebred puppy or a designer dog at a pet store, but they can't afford the pet store prices that are often over a $1,000. So WAGS Leasing, which says it has handled 66,000 pet leases to date, claims that uh, it does not charge interest like that on a loan that we normally think of. Rather, WAGS says it charges a monthly fee, which is for the renting of the animal plus depreciation like it's a computer in an office or something. But the Better Business Bureau in Fresno, California, has calculated if you bought a dog for $2,000, you would have a monthly payment as high as $293 for two years, and that brings the pet's final cost to more than $7,000. And if you stop making the payments, then the lending company or leasing company has the right to take your pet back and ding your credit score too and that doesn't include food or veterinary care or any any of the right. fees that you need or any of the the cash that you'll need to take care of the animal that's I'm crazy, outraged. Isn't it? I think that's ridiculous. I, 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 do, I don't have words for that. That is just so stupid. <laughs> I, I have words for it. Do not ever, ever under any condition, no matter how cute that little puppy is, lease an animal ever. Yeah, it just sounds wrong, doesn't it? It, It's so wrong. And you know what? Under the eyes of our government, animals are property. We all look at them as our family members, but not under the eyes of the law.
Yeah. Well, this has taken it a step further. This is taking them to an item that is depreciated. (laughs) <laughs> um, that you have to have repossessed. I think that's what is, I mean, this is a living creature. I mean, you know, you have hearts uh, get attached. Um, you know, animals become attached to the, the humans in the household. This this would be cruel in my book to, you know, break up that kind of family unit. Um, there is one leasing company, though, that says that it does not repossess animals. But how could they not repossess it? So they just take a loss on every single loan that doesn't end up paying? But that's what they say. Well, I'm going to get somebody on to talk about the legislation that they're trying to do to stop this. Oh. I've tried contacting that company in Reno, Nevada, WAGS, they but turn they turned me away. I cannot yeah. speak yeah. to them. But I'm going to get somebody on the next couple of weeks who's trying to stop this from happening. Yeah, WAGS doesn't speak to a lot of media, Judy. Save your time. <laughs> um, you're not alone, guys. If you've been concerned about the fate of that cat, and I'm sure you've all seen this video, especially you, Hal, the cat that was clinging for dear life, he was on the roof of a van that was speeding down a highway in Omaha. It was a viral video a few weeks ago. I am happy to tell you today and share with you that Rebel, that uh, he really is a gorgeous cat. He was fluffy, gray and white, that today Rebel is safe and that he has no injuries from that ordeal. But in case you missed it, Rebel was taken for the ride of his life when his parents unknowingly took off in their van They were going at speeds of 60 miles per hour down an interstate. They had no clue that their cat was on the roof, and there was literally nothing for him to hang on to. This went on for about two miles before people in a passing car noticed Rebel, and and they shot the viral video, and then luckily they were able to uh, make connections with the owners inside the car, the van, that their cat was on the roof, and they came to a slow stop and saved the cat. Not before videotaping it, though. Got to get that video. (laughs) (laughs) People are crazy. The world of social media. Mm -hmm. Finally, the U.S. Police Canine Association has held its annual Detector Dog Competition. It featured more than 100 dogs from all over the country. The competition, if you've never heard of it, is considered to be the Super Bowl for sniffer dogs. The winner in the explosives class was 8-year-old Hemi, who is a chocolate lab and works with the campus police force at New Jersey Stockton University, while Luna, a 5-year-old Belgian Malinois, took top honors for dogs trained to find drugs. And their reward? I mean, they get this big honor and their reward? Well, Luna loves nothing more than to chew on a ball or play some chase when he has some extra playtime. Hemi, on the other hand, chooses to chew on his favorite white towel for fun. It must be some trainer trick. I'm looking for Dr. Debbie's guidance on this. But uh, luckily, Hemi did also get a big giant beef patty as a bonus and to help celebrate. Well, it's, it's probably an easy toy that he likes to chew on. It's right there. It's easy to pull out and you don't have to worry about keeping a food product on you that you got it's going to spoil so sometimes just like to chew on just weird things i knew you would have an answer whether it's right or not i don't know <laughs> but you say it with such conviction that you know it has we to all be believe right. you yes. yes i i've i've learned the art of the bs uh, my father <laughs> comes from a long line of spinners of tales <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. The number is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. But before we head back to the phones, we're going to visit with Sterling Davis, the Trap King. Hi, Sterling. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing? Very good. Where are you today? Set the scene. Where are you? Well, I'm in I'm in Atlanta right now. I'm waiting for some rain to die down so I could hopefully do some more trapping. But uh, I'm in an ATL. It's a little rainy. So when you say trapping, what are you talking about? Tell listeners all about trapping. <laughs> Trap neuter return. It's uh, it's uh, the only humane alternative for euthanasia for feral or stray cats. Uh, basically, what it is, I go out, I catch the cats, I bring them in to a low cost spay neuter clinic where they get spayed neutered and vaccinated and then they're returned back to their colony and this is to prevent uh overpopulation or spread disease and this is in the atlanta area oh yeah there yeah, are lo- it's done it's done a lot of places actually too yeah there are a lot of uh homeless pets in atlanta oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah you got expect i mean with cats it's 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 a lot because you know they can have a litter and have like four to six of them and just keep repopulating so it doesn't it doesn't take long for them to overpopulate an area and once they do that then they're fighting over resources and spreading disease so tnr is a humane alternative to just putting them down trap neuter return tnr okay so can i just say one thing I yeah. thought I was the only guy that likes cats. <laughs> I, it, this is an industry where, you know, you see it's mostly mostly, mostly women. Mostly women, yes. That yep, yep. deal with this. So how did you get involved with this? Well, believe it or not, man, I was I was doing music first. So I was, I was doing tours. And uh, just in between tours, I was looking for something to do that wasn't going to be stressful or some hard work just in between tours. So I looked in a Craigslist and I saw a shelter that was, you know, hiring for cats. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I love cats. So <laughs> when I went in, they, they, everyone was looking at me like, oh my goodness. Like we don't see too many guys that mess with cats like this. So, you know, we want you to stay on. And I, I started scooping litter and from there, you know, <laughs> TNR, the community outreach program. You would think the music industry pays a little more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, trust me, all my friends was like, man, what in the world is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's it's a lot of, it's a, you know, it's a lot of rappers out there. It's a lot of different ways. It'll be a lot of uh, young black men that can rap, but how many people will be able to have an effect like this? So uh, I wanted to do something that would have a positive effect, something that would not just be cool, but morally... Uh, Morally good for me, morally fulfilling. Do you have any? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Do you? Thank you. Okay, hang tight. I've got so many questions. We are with Sterling Davis, the Trap King, and there's more on the way. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad, proud to support the animal shelter and rescue community. The Brilliant Pad Shelter Program donates products for fundraisers and for use by shelters and foster families. Adopting families can get a free Brilliant Pad system. Their website's brilliantpad.com slash shelters. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. 
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Car collectors gathered in Scottsdale, Arizona last month, where a very rare one-of-one 2021 Lexus LC500 convertible crossed the auction block in an effort to raise money for some worthy organizations. With a $2 million bid, the winner took home the first LC500 convertible edition to roll off the assembly line, and the money will be split between the Boys and Girls Club of America and the Bob Woodruff Foundation. To find your new Lexus, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets and our cats today. You know, I'm not the only cat guy. I got Sterling Davis, the Trap King, on Skype with us. Do you use cats as any muses for your music? Do you write songs about cats? You know, what's crazy is I actually was in the studio the other night working on a cat song, the first TNR cat song. So, <laughs> yeah, de- Definitely the, the first TNR rap song. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. Say, this oh, is the yeah. first. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of crazy, but I want it to be fun. That's one of the things I want to do is make it make TNR and Animal Rescue more fun and something that uh, men in the black community want to get more engaged into. Well, so now, what do your peers think of you? I'm gonna tell you. Before and growing up, I've always been the weird guy. I've always been, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix, uh, weirdo, nerd, whatever, whatever was weird. I was that guy. Now. It's starting to seem a little cool. <laughs> some of my friends are like, you know, man. So all them cat ladies, like some of them, like you, like they they want to they want to talk to you. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I get girls, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's starting to get cool because of that now. So, well, so <laughs> how many uh, cats have you trapped and uh, neutered and returned? Oh man, I mean, well, I'll say this as as my own my own nonprofit, uh, Trap King Humane Cat Solutions. I just started back in august so i haven't i've done less than 100 or uh with just my nonprofit before with the company that i worked for before i did trap king i worked with them for like five or six years and within that time man wow (laughs) probably like a closer to a thousand or so something like that because they had a lot more resources and tools for me to go out and and do everything now that i'm starting on my own yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a little less, but it's picking up. It's picking up a lot. And and the main thing is the education of it. The main thing I want to do is teach people that they can do it as well. Yeah, I think the important thing to know is that one cat can have 50,000 offspring. I mean, their offspring and their offspring and their offspring, 50,000 animals. <laughs> so when you save, uh, let's say you saved a thousand animals last year, a thousand wow. cats, you, you trapped and neutered and, and returned them. There, it's millions of cats that you really have kept from being homeless and end up, yeah. you know, in in a, in a horrible situation. Um, yeah. So, Judy and I have to crawl out from underneath our our desks because the math there scared us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can it can be a lot. It can it can definitely be a lot. And not, and like you said, with the a litter, uh, you know, one cat 
you know, you can produce, they can produce so much. So, yeah, it is a lot. It, it multiplies and adds up. Well, so now I know you do the trapping and you probably do the returning too, but who does the neutering? <laughs> well, uh, the neutering, I go to a company called Plan Pet Hood. That's like one of the main places I go that's out here in Georgia. But I, I, I try to work with any low-cost spay-neuter clinic. Any Anybody, that's one another thing in animal rescue that you get a lot of. A lot of people say it's bickering amongst this shelter and that shelter. So one of the things that I try to do as well uh, on the human side of things is work with everybody. I, I will say I go through Planned Pethood uh, out of Gwinnett, Georgia, most of the time, but I do try to work with uh, Paws, Good Muse, and everybody else that I can because I want to represent and show the unity that's been in animal rescue for so many years. I want to show that to the world and keep it going. There are a few trap kings out there. You got to copyright that. Oh, yeah, I did. I had to. It was a crazy process. It's trademarking is really difficult. It's just not an easy process. And it was a lot of a lot of ways to go about that. I actually had to combine the words because it's the way it's been used before. But, yeah, I'm the original at this, at least this trap king. So well, do, you, do you have any pets at home? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a I got a big fluffy persian himalayan named rick james that's my main buddy uh <laughs> i got i i got binks who was supposedly he you know he's a, a a grand brown tabby he was supposed to be getting adopted but he ended up hanging out with us and then we got a bunch of dogs me and my roommate got a couple uh, about four dogs as well so wow. yeah we we yeah we loaded and i do a lot of dog sitting and cat sitting too if i'm you know if i'm available if i'm not running around here trapping too much i want to spread the word and get it uh get it out there more make it look fun because it is fun it's fun it's rewarding and, it, and it's helping it's it's a selfless act it's being a voice for the voices and helping somebody else out so it's good all the way around boy are you for hey, real <laughs> <laughs> Check out the website. It's trapkinghumane.org. And, of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Sterling Davis, the Trap King, I salute you. Thank you for... Thank you for letting me know that I'm not alone, you know? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh. Catman Unite. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Have a good day, Joe. Keep up the good work. You too. Take care. Thank you all. Bye-bye. There he goes, the Trap King. The noise in the background that you heard during that, and you got to imagine this. Yeah, you got to visualize. He's playing with a cat toy with a cat on his lap there. Oh. And he, he was rattling the toy around right. playing with the cat. So He's a true cat guy. <laughs> Once again, it has just flown by. We encourage you to visit our website at animalradio.pet if you need your fix during the week. And if you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends. We have links at our website and everything you've heard on today's show, the books, the canine lullabies. If you hit the As Heard On button at animalradio.pet, you'll be taken right to where you can get them. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.